Hey guys, it's your girls Vashti and Sheena with another episode of Quick Blitz. Uh, these episodes have been kind of few in between, but we have been working and uh, trust me and trust us, once the regular season starts, once training camp starts, we will be back to our weekly schedule. Either way, make sure you're going to the Riot Network and checking out their great podcast as well as subscribing to ours at therightreport.com backslash quick blitz. We have a lot to talk about. So Sheena, let's get right to it. Man, um, last weekend, all you guys know was rookie mini camp. It was the first hand, first observation of that 11 man draft class, as well as a bunch of tryout players. Uh, as far as observations, Vashai, it was basically kind of a this is how we practice type of format. You know, this is how we stretch. These are the drills that we do. There wasn't anything um, in particular that stood out that we did not already know. I thought um, Tommy Tremble looked well, as, as well as he could in shells. Um, JC Horn's footwork is outrageous, but everyone already knew that. Um, it, it was kind of hard to get a gauge, really. There wasn't a mm-hmm. ton of 11 on 11. I did notice um, a certain kicker and long snapper that may end up booting Joey Sly off that 53-man roster. Oh, really? There's a lot of football left until those cuts are made. We have OTAs coming up. And, of course, training camp will be back. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, so you say you said that J.C. Horn's footwork is out of this world. Did you see that dog that Matt Rule and <laughs> – I mean, because that's all they talked about. Oh, he's a dog. He's a dog. And he said it himself. So did you see that? Because you were at I didn't I wasn't able to attend uh, rookie minicamp. I was out of town, but Sheena was there. Did you see any like did you sense the dog? Um, for, for what it's worth, the type of practice and the walkthroughs and things that they were going through doesn't really lend the, the breeding ground mm. for being a dog. Now, when we okay. get to Wofford. And those pads come on, that's when I think you'll see the separation of J.C. Horn from the other cornerbacks in that draft class. Is training camp going to be at Wofford? Oops. No, I'm serious. Is it? Um, yeah. yeah. Oh. Is this is this a breakage in news? If you want to cover that. <laughs> Wait, 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 hold on. Skirt, this is where we need sound effects. Drop them clue bombs. <laughs> what? Training camp is gonna be in Wofford this year. All signs point in that direction. Now, whether or not the fans will be there as interactive as um in years past, that remains to be seen. But I do think that as we inch closer and closer to kicking off the 2021 season, things will be a lot closer to the 2019 season, um, where we didn't have all those precautions. Now, of course, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be, you know, stipulations for vaccinated people versus non-vaccinated fans, social distancing and that sort. But if Cleveland, if the draft in Cleveland is any indication from a media standpoint, we'll be back doing in-person um, press conferences. But I'm pretty sure that's probably going to be a team-level decision. But, you know, Vashti and I were both in Cleveland. And honestly, I was shocked. I thought everything was going to be virtual. Everything was going to be Zoom. But it wasn't. Um, 
as the as the prospects after they got drafted, as they walked back over to where the media center was, the the science center, um, they had this one area where it was, it was almost like an open locker room situation. You literally could walk up to the player, ask your question, no questions asked, you know just like we were in the locker room at Bank of America. And then they go on, they do their serious radio stuff, they do their sponsor stuff, and then they go to the podium and we were able to sit in that room and do a presser, which was kind of foreign after, you know, the way that COVID kind of moved everything around last season. We didn't see anybody in person last season. Yeah. So if Cleveland is any indication, things will be much, will be running much more closer to normal as we get closer to September. That's my projection. Hmm. Interesting. Because, you know, I thought I thought their contract with Wofford was done. So. So. um, But I mean, I I do see that, I guess you got the jump on it. I didn't know about it, but I see something now where a team spokesperson said that they're in discussions with Wofford College and excited about the possibility of returning to Spartanburg. So if they're going to say that, then I guess we'll be back in Spartanburg this year. If they go to if they go back to Wofford, I think that they're going to allow fans. I think so, too, but I think that they'll require that those fans be vaccinated. Mm, you think so? Or or do you think that they would have them sign a waiver or something of that sort? Like that's where it gets a little murky. Like It's outdoors, it's like though. Attend at your own discretion type situation, maybe? It's outdoors. So I think that, you know, I mean, you go out there, you're outside, according to health officials, like that's the safest place you can be. Um, I don't know if they'll require masks. They may require masks. Uh, but I think that they'll, if they are returning to Wofford, it's so that they can have fans in attendance. And you may be right. I mean, after all, they did have the fan experience for the draft and the Super Bowl. So you could be right. I mean, those are, those are similar. And I bring those up because those are outdoors as well. And, um, they did have it for the draft. They had it for the Super Bowl. I don't remember them having it for the, well, no, they didn't have a combine this year. So that's null and void. But yeah, they did have the fan experience at the draft and at the Super Bowl. So it's possible that we could see fans in Wofford. I, I think it's going to happen. And I'm not, I, honestly, I'm not mad at that. As long as people are safe. I personally, I'm vaccinated. So if y'all want to be out there being reckless and stuff, I'm still wearing my mask. I mean, yeah, it was it was actually very limited um, media at the rookie mini camp, but everyone did still socially distance like we did at training camp last year. Rash, you remember the X's that we they had it marked on the field. Yes. Everyone was still socially distanced and um, everyone still wore their mask. Well, that I mean, I. I, I, I like Newton, that. You know, even David Newton wore his mask. And, you know, he's a table shaker. Kind of had a conversation with him, and um, he knows y'all be cooking him on Twitter. Oh, you talked to him? Yeah, because here's the thing. <laughs> um, he goes, "Hey, Sheena, why don't you ask Matt? Why don't you bring up to Matt that you didn't see very many, very many two minute drill or red zone um plays today in practice i said well, why don't you do it you're the table shaker why, the why, would, why would he why would he tell you to say that was that supposed to be funny? 
I, I guess yes and no, but you know, a lot of truth is told in the form of joking. And apparently he has rubbed coaches and um, David Tepper the wrong way to the point where David Tepper like free, froze him out for a year. So that was interesting hmm. to hear. I said, well, David, I said, they cook you on Twitter because you are a habitual line stepper. And he was like, what do you mean? And you should have seen Jonathan Alexander's face. Um, I said, you're a habitual line stepper. I said, I mean, you put the wrong pictures up for players that have been here for years. And he goes, that's not my fault. Y'all, he said that ain't his fault. He said, that's AP's fault that he doesn't do his own feature images. But um, I said, you are a habitual line crosser with everyone. So why don't you do it? Don't set me up. You I don't, don't tell be- Matt. You think, you think <laughs> I don't believe that. That, he that he's a habitual line stepper? No, that, but oh, like, that he, come on. Yeah. Like yeah, as writers, I, I we him, all said, we all have input into our work, including the pictures that are used that accompany our work. And he also, and I said, but here's the thing: I said you did it twice to Mario Addison, and I stood there while you called thought that um, Cameron Artist Payne was C.J. Anderson. He's like, oh, you got a point. I said, yeah, you're a habitual line crosser, so I'll let you shake the table. You're already hated. <laughs> well, that. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I told him, I said, they, they be cooking you on Twitter. I said, David, when you getting cooked on Twitter, what do you do? Do you mute the tweet or like, listen, go about your business? What do you do? Like, as long as those checks me. clear, David Newton give, give two, two, you no, know what? what? I mean, yeah. the checks clear. His, I don't know if his job has ever been in jeopardy. Panthers fans complain about him constantly, <laughs> but they still constantly. follow him. He still has yeah. more followers than me and you combined. Probably combined. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's stop with the complaints then. Because if you're reading yeah. his work, if you're clicking on his articles, if you're following him, then you have no room to complain. Very Man, true indeed. David Newton, look, David Newton is, is just fine. He's been working at ESPN for years. He, you know, the, the, the check clears and it is what it is. I don't see him going when David Newton chooses to leave. That's when he'll leave. And he knows that's the case. Yeah. Speaking of complaining, man, Vashti. Listen, Teddy B comments. So first, if, if, I mean, of course, everybody knows, (laughs) you know, everybody, people who listen to this podcast are Panthers fans. So y'all know. Teddy Bridgewater came kind of with the smoke. I guess it was the smoke. Um, He was on a podcast and he basically said that the Panthers didn't really practice two minute and red zone offense. Um, So this was on the all things covered podcast. And he said, quote, one of the things we didn't do much of when I was there we didn't practice two minute, really. We didn't practice red zone. And so if you know, and y'all know that was an issue with the Panthers not, and that was an issue with Teddy Bridgewater. So what were your immediate thoughts when you saw this? Um, I wasn't shocked. You know, like you said, if you listen to this podcast, you know that there was some contention there between the coaching staff and Teddy. There were several instances in which they were not on the same accord. Now, under that Ron Rivera, you know, administration or that, that era, he wasn't going to tell Ron Rivera never told us if there was a time that he and Cam Newton were not on one accord. He may talk to it to Cam, talk about it to Cam. He may talk about it to the team in the locker room. He would have never mentioned it to media, but there were a cert, there were several instances where 
Teddy and the coaching staff were not on the same page. You know, one of the most glaring that stands out is that goal line reach in Green Bay that ended up being a fumble instead of six, Panthers are turning the ball over. And Matt Rule was like, you know, we never do that. I have told the players never to do that. Basically, I don't know why he did that. There was another situation where, well, there are several situations in which Teddy called an audible late in the game or in the red zone only for the Panthers to come away with three points, a turnover or nothing. So I wasn't shocked at him making those statements because it was clear there was a disconnect. But that's not the first time that a Panther player has said that game situations had not been, they had not been prepared for those in practice. Under Matt Rule's tenure? No, this was under Matt Rule's tenure. So that's why, I mean, this is the thing. It's always going to be met with ire. You remember when Perry Fuel was the interim coach at the end of the 2019 season, the Panthers went down to Atlanta, third and manageable, almost backed all the way up to their own goal line. They go 90 plus yards for the touchdown over Dante Jackson. If you're looking at the film, it looks horrible on Dante. Blown coverage. When we got into the locker room, he said, look, that was a zero blitz that we had never practiced. We've never done that. We've never even I seen that, that situation in a practice setting. So that's not the first time that this has been brought up that p- players didn't feel like they were adequately prepared. But coming from now, people were pissed coming from Dante, you know, as far as people being pissed, not fans, coaches were pissed, you know, Perry Fuel, oh, I talked to him and, you know, da, 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 da. But it's because of it's because of the messenger. That's what people are pissed about when it comes to Teddy calling out the Panthers coaching staff. It's because of who he was and the fact that he wasn't winning any games. Well, Matt Rule said in response, I'm not going to delve into specifics about our process. Uh, Some of that is specific to us, but I feel good about our preparation and the amount of work our coaches put in and the amount of work our players put in the amount of practice work. I think we pushed them in a really smart way. Didn't sound like a denial. Well, Bridgewater also said about Brady, I'll say, I'll just say this uh, uh, for Joe Brady's growth, that organization, they'll have to practice different things in different ways. That's what mm. he said before he said about the red zone. Uh, you walk through red zone stuff and then Saturday you come out and practice red zone, but you'd only get like 15 live reps, guys, reps, would be limited if that's if that's true that's a problem I just find it ironic that while Teddy was here like the coaching staff and the GMs were always like oh he's such a pro he's such a pro like yeah we heard that a lot and like as if you know he's he's a nice guy oh he's such a good guy he's a nice guy he's such a pro you can be a nice guy but still have criticism well, when he left, he was real. He got real petty real quick with the with the meme with the meme of the from um with Napoleon the Dynamite. from Napoleon Dynamite. Then opening being critical as far as the um the red zone offense and stuff. Like honestly, I feel like if he had had this energy when he was in Carolina, then maybe he would have played better. Like I to me, think- to me, uh, I'll use this as an analogy. I have a dog. Her name is Sheba. Shout out Sheba. She was just barking in the background. Sheba's a little feisty thing. And Sheba will bark. She at, 
Sheba will bark at other dogs, big dogs. She doesn't care. She'll bark at the dogs aggressively and then come and stand behind me. Like, okay, Sheba. Like, I'm not even mad at you for not being scared, but then don't come and stand behind me. Like, and not that Teddy Bridgewater is standing behind anyone, but to me, keep that same energy. Be consistent with the energy. Like, you know, I don't know. There's to me, there's a fine line with that. Like you said, if 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 uh um if uh Cam Newton and who was a pre girl, I can't even I'm drawing a blank on the Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera. If they weren't coordinated, we would never know about it. There were times during this past year where Matt Rule was critical of of um of openly critical of Teddy Bridgewater. Some of those were deserved. Some of those he could have probably kept himself. I'm glad he told us about the Green Bay thing because that was just completely mind boggling to everyone who was watching that game. So, um, but you know, it just seems, it just seems, and everybody does it. I guess once you leave the team, you can talk trash about the team. I just would have, I just would have wished he'd had this more aggressive energy when he was on the field for the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. But soon we'll stop talking about Teddy Bridgewater because the season will start and we'll have another uh, quarterback to talk about. But until then, there's another former Panthers player who is in the news, Kelvin Benjamin, KB. Some people called him Queen Latifah. That's just messed up. Why did y'all do Queen Latifah like that? I'm sorry. Kelvin Benjamin. They did. Do you remember when he came? I think it was either OTAs or training camp. I think it was OTAs. And he was growth he was clearly overweight and people were saying he looked like queen latifah it was absolutely hilarious but in his defense in his defense he had lost his mom and um was coming off of injury but i will say this i don't think the weight gain is what really pissed carolina carolina fans off it's the cam comments that pissed it that really got the jokes flying well Kelvin Benjamin who had more than a thousand yards as a rookie with the Panthers in 2013 but he has also not played in the NFL since 2018 he signed with the Giants as a tight end do you like that move do you think he'll do you think he'll make the 53 if he wants to play football you said what Sorry, if he wants, I, I think if he wants to play football, it's absolutely a smart move because he's he's not a he. There was no way for him to go back and be a competitive wide receiver with that time off, um, with the the body changes because he hadn't necessarily really dropped all that weight that he gained either. I think that it's a move. I'm a little shocked that it took him so long, but then again. Sometimes you have guys that hold on to those former positions or, you know, football dreams just out of stubbornness. So I think he does have a chance at tight end. Hell, if Tim Seaball has a chance at tight end, Kelvin Benjamin Mm. does too. Listen, that whole, the whole thing with Tebow is just, it, it, it literally is insulting. Honestly, it's insulting. I can see a, I can see a wide receiver go to tight end and sometimes quarterbacks do too, but we, we're talking about Tebow here. I, 
and and the nepotism and the privilege involved in that is just completely it, it's insulting to guys who have who who have who have dreams of playing in the NFL and have worked toward that and who deserve to be there. As far as Kelvin Benjamin, I think people grieve differently. And I don't know if he took the needed time to grieve the loss of his mother, the sudden loss of his mother. And so, and then he came back later on and said, you know, talked about how he came back so early and no, nobody came to his mom's funeral. Like, and and different things he had he he was kind of bitter about that i don't know if any of that excuses how things happened in um uh or how things transpired um with with the with the panthers so so yeah so with kelvin benjamin you know i actually wish him the best of luck he didn't handle things the way he should have and you're right sheena like i think panthers had high hopes for him as far as, you know, him and Cam being that, yeah. that duo. That tandem, um, yeah. And, that it, tandem. and especially with how, you know, over a thousand yards your rookie year and you just kind of, of course there was injury, there was, there's tragedy, uh, but then you kind of just fall off a cliff. And then when you leave, kind of like Teddy, now you want to, now you want to bump your gums. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what got him. And then, you know, not for nothing. I'm surprised the clip hasn't floated around more. Um, it was during a Giants game where Booger, no, was it Giants? No, it was a Bills game. I'm sorry. It was a Bills game where Booger McFarland said that he was a cheeseburger away from being a tight end. And now he's a tight end. Well, <laughs> at least I mean, but, he has like, a little seriously. more leeway. At least, you know, he's not here. Yeah. I mean, and KB was like that. You know, I know people you know it, it's definitely the NFL is definitely a what have you done for me lately type of league but cam comments and weight gain you know withstanding he had some talent clearly well that's been the the problem with Panthers in, in some cases you have guys who have talent but just doesn't it doesn't come to fruition so we'll see what happens Panthers fans regardless like Panthers Nation is petty, so they will not be rooting for Teddy Bridgewater or Kelvin Benjamin. The, anything that they do, the jokes will constantly fly when it comes when it constantly. comes to those two guys. Constantly. So the NBA, Sheena, the girl, that girl. I I just. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. Well, the I was Horn not expecting the Hornets to get stomped out. I think, you know, we're both in the city. The Charlotte Hornets had an opportunity to keep their season alive and make the playoffs by defeating the Indiana Pacers. Instead, they came out and laid a huge egg. They ended up losing 144 to 117. They were never in the game. They never seemed to like, like I, I felt like they didn't even want to be there. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that. And people were so excited about, oh, the, the, the Hornets will finally be able to make the playoffs. And Yeah, and that's one of those things that, you know, the, the Hornets, you know, people come go to the games, but they hadn't done anything for the city to be excited about in a little while. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Kimba Walker walked and, you know, LaMelo Ball brought back some of that energy and tenacity that had Panthers, I'm sorry, had Hornets fans believe in, kind of like the Panthers fans. They went into last season, expectations weren't that great, but once they started winning some games, then people start to have some hope, only to have dashed. That's exactly what happened with this Hornets squad this year. And, you know, injuries, of course there were injuries, but they still don't have a big man that can that can actually score. They don't have a certified center. So the team is incomplete. And with all of those factors, I think, I'm not going to say it was impressive because of course you always want to make the playoffs. But I do think that the future is bright for this group if everyone can stay healthy and they can add a big man. Yeah, definitely need a big man. I I, I question though. So when, when the Hornets come out and play like that, the way they did in that type of situation, is it the fault of the players or is it the fault of the coach? A little bit of both. Um, if you are an athlete, especially once you start to go up the ranks to that upper echelon of elite talent, you got to bring it every night. Like if you can't get hyped up knowing that it's a win or go home situation, that can't necessarily be coached into you but when it comes to making necessary adjustments during the game when you see that a certain unit is not performing well together that's a coaching thing so I think it's a little bit of both I don't know I'm putting I'm lying I'm laying this whole thing at the feet of James Borrego I, I am the Panther you think he I keeps mean, his job after this I mean I think he'll keep it but I I think he should be on the hot seat like the Hornets, the Hornets returned to relevancy and mainly because of, of course, LaMelo Ball. But I just think the whole team is young and swaggy. I don't know if Borrego is the type of coach to really lead this type of group. But like the Hornets have five opportunities to shore up the eighth seed. At once, the, at one point, the Hornets were the fourth seed in the East and they ended the season terribly had five games to try to lock up the eighth seed. They lost, they went 0 for 5 on all of those games and come out and seemed completely ill-prepared for the environment that they would face in Indianapolis. To me, you have a young team. And in his post-game interview, he kept talking about how young they are. You have a young team who is the person with the most, playoff experience within that within that in that locker room James Borrego who was who is a is a is a Greg Popovich one of the best who is a Greg Popovich protege he's been to NBA championships he's won NBA championships you're the coach of a team and a bunch of young kids ages what 18 19 mainly to 22 who don't know most of them have never been to the playoffs. They don't know right. the environment they know. that they're stepping in. So I get that they're professional athletes and you have to have your own type of motor, your own type of drive. That's I get that. But you also, if you've never been in a situation, somebody has to show you about that situation. And sure. I don't, I don't think James Borrego had that team prepared off rip. If they came out, were competitive and maybe tricked off a lead. Then I've been like, okay, they weren't competitive, period. They were terrible. And to me, that's on coaching. And if Borrego has not had a winning season since he's been in Charlotte, 
Um, mm. And this year, this upcoming season, you know, with COVID, with injuries that they face, I mean, every team had injuries and every team had to deal with COVID. So this That's upcoming true. season that should be normal for the NBA, if Borrego can't get the Hornets to the playoffs without having to be in a playoff, uh, without having to be in a um, in a playing game, if he doesn't have a winning season, it's time for him to go. You think MJ pulls the plug though? I think MJ pulls the plug on anybody. That's true. I think MJ Man, pulls a plug not, on anybody. I'm sorry. I know this is totally off topic, guys, and we were not planning on talking about this. I'm about to go rogue. I'm going Teddy B. Call my audible. Do you think that MJ planted the seed that has grown into Kwame Brown giving everybody the business for this past week? Yes. Kwame Brown would not have faced the criticism that yeah. he faced if he wasn't drafted by MJ. They will forever be connected because people think MJ is a terrible GM and a terrible evaluator of talent. Why? Because of Kwame Brown. And people think Kwame Brown is the biggest bust because of why Michael Jordan drafted him. Like, even when, when you have guys like um, uh, Anthony Bennett, who um who hasn't been good nobody's talking about him yeah i mean and here's the thing so matt barnes in one of his responses said you know don't get mad at us get mad at mj for believing in you and i was just like man and i know that when i actually listened to the comments on the podcast you know Gilbert Arenas didn't say anything bad. He just said, you know, having somebody like Michael Jordan talking shit in your ear as a kid, which is what Kwame Brown was, can get to anyone. So just when you mentioned how he, he'll let anybody go, that just popped up in my head because I haven't had a chance to look, but I'm pretty sure that Kwame Brown has gone in on somebody else today. It's he what, did. Three, he went. But I'm you sure. You know what? Did. I was all for it the first couple of days. Really, I was all for it. Then I found out a little bit today. I was like, I found out about some of his political views. I saw, oh. I saw a video. Kwame, for the record, this bash tie hurts saying this, not Sheena Clinton. Listen, Go ahead, I, I got smoke <laughs> for Kwame. Kwame can talk that stuff. I'm Kwame from Charleston. I'm from South yeah. Carolina. He can talk yeah, that talk, but I can listen. There. Let Kwame come for me. I got some smoke for him. I'm not going to be like Matt Barnes and be like, oh, let's talk about it on the podcast. You see Gilbert Arenas, he ain't said nothing. Gilbert Arenas already said Kwame got those hands. Steven Jackson, somebody said Kwame Brown challenged Steven Jackson. Now Steven Jackson uh, speaking in uh, Arabic. Like, come on, no, uh-uh. <laughs> I, got, I got the smoke for oh, Kwame yeah. if he comes at me. But I read, I, I read and I listened. I had to go. I did some research because I saw on Twitter. Somebody was like, all right, y'all, Kwame, Kwame has his five minutes, but go look at his political views. So I looked that up. Well, what are those political views, V? Let me know. I mean, he liked the orange man. <gasps> Kwame, is that true? He, de he, def he defended him. He defended him. And he also, I also saw a video where he basically br blamed Brianna Taylor's killing on her. Like, well, if you're dealing with a man like that, then what do you expect? 
No way. I'm just telling you what I saw. So like even up to yesterday, I was like, man, Kwame, Kwame made some good points. Kwame said, you call me a bus. He said, but I'm a dude who grew up and I had to play dudes on the basketball court just so I could have shoes. Like he would play for shoes. He was on free lunch. And at 18, he put his mom on a golf course. Respect. I understand that. And I do get it. He's been silent this whole time. So I, I, I'm not mad at him for emptying the clip at all. But now I no longer want to hear from him because you talk about all this black man, you t- tearing the black man down, this black man down that. And then your that. other thing, your uh, your other, some other views don't align with what you're saying. No, I'm over it now. Damn, Kwame. So I'm waiting. Like, I think people are like, you know, I don't know if Charlemagne has responded or the breakfast club has responded. People at this point are just going to let him like, I think by the end of the week, we'll all be done because if people stop addressing him, then his relevancy declines. He got his I mean, YouTube it's- followers and he going to get paid from his YouTube. That's what he wants. He's selling t-shirts. I did. Um, I just saw the t-shirts. Girl. I mean, the thing about it is this. He the did make a point. t-shirts aren't even good looking. They just, yeah, that's something that you could do on Teespring. But um, <laughs> not for nothing. He really was minding his business. He got drafted years ago. When you poke the bear, you cannot dictate the reaction. You can't. And Charlemagne starts out by saying, leave Kwame Brown alone and proceeded to do everything but that. Right. He did. He did. I, was <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, Charlemagne. Okay, DJ Envy didn't say anything about him. And Angelique, she didn't say anything. But Kwame he did kind of. Yeah. I mean, not Kwame. Charlemagne did Charlemagne, put did his family business out there. Like, come he on. Did too much. Did. Leave him alone. And then you did everything but leave the man yeah. alone. Leave him alone. But no, his daddy was in, in jail for murder. He had another brother who did murder. And he got another brother who did murder. So obviously the men in their family pop off. Like, come on. That was unnecessary. Then he got on Jamel Hill. I but saw I think that. He misunderstood that. She said that he chose violence, and he was like, "You gonna call me violent? You lied on me, and I have see, kids." See, at that point, and I saw that this morning too. I was like, "Okay, Kwame, you just you doing you doing the most. You doing you doing the same thing that you criticized. Um, that you criticized the uh, was it all up in smoke, all the smoke." All the smoke podcast the for is kind of like picking on people. She did not. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, he 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 misinterpreted what she said. Um, I'm glad you brought that up with yeah. Kwame because I thought about it and I was like, dang, I I didn't put it in the outline. But yeah, yeah definitely. Nah, we had we had to talk about that because brother been fitting since Saturday. Before I mean, we wrap up, before we wrap up, Duke, the Duke athletics program made history yesterday by announcing that they have hired their. Uh, Nina King, who is a black female as their athletic director. Sheena, what do you think of this move? Huge. I love it. I love it. I don't know. You got you got UNC and Duke and there's always going to be a rivalry there and I respect the rivalry. Um, But I'm all I'm saying is I'm going to the press conference tomorrow. I'm sure I'm not going to hear Nina King say that 
I'm proud to be I'm the first black my white husband. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nah, she's not gonna say that. Okay. <laughs> definitely she's not gonna say not that. Not going to say that. She's not gonna say that. Duke is making moves. I think this is an excellent move. She's been with the school. She's been deputy a deputy AD. So this is a promotion for her. And um it's something that's needed. I think I read somewhere that she's maybe only the third black female ad in in uh in a major conference definitely not i mean we among the light we haven't seen this among a, i don't even know if a power five conference has ever had a black female ad a school in a power five conference maybe no, i don't no, think so i think i think we somebody to, has to dig. oh i think somebody has and i can't think of the name of the school but not not the level of a duke no, definitely not the level of dude. Not the level of definitely a dude. Definitely not. So shout outs, shout outs to, to, to the people over there in Durham. That these are important, groundbreaking historical moves that they are making. Um, and so, and also we wish luck to Miss to Mrs. Nina King. Shout out to you, sis. Can we call her sis? I think we can call her sis, but maybe not to her, her face. Like we can call her sis. Oh no, no. But if I went up to her and be like, "Hey, sis, sis you think how oh, you no, think she no, would react?" No. Uh, I I don't no, even want to find out. She ain't that sis. <laughs> she ain't. She is sis, but she ain't that sis type. It's cool though. We still love her. <laughs> Guys, that, that is. <laughs> That is your newest episode of Quick Blitz with Sheena Quick and Bash Tire Hurt. I guess we can consider this season two, V. What do you think? Are we Have we started? Do you want to start? Is this season two? Yeah, I think well, we I can guess say this because of the draft. It is. It technically is season two. Technically is season two. We appreciate you guys rocking with us. We always, always, always enjoy your feedback on Twitter. So please make sure that you are listening, sharing, subscribing, and telling us what you think. We do the podcast for you guys. If there's ways that we can make it better, we definitely want to know. But until next time, I'm Sheena Quick with Vashti Hurt, and you have been listening to Quick Blitz on the Riot Network. Lift off. We have a lift off.